This is Truth Encounter, and today we want to join Dave Wardson as he exposes what the New Covenant under Christ says about the Old Covenant laws about food. Before you head out for that picnic, join us for the next few minutes. You might discover that Christ is the one who, rather than taking all the joy out of the party, is the one who enables us to celebrate a freedom even richer than our political freedom. In the Old Testament, God wanted his people to be different. What about the New Testament? I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10 because we need to talk about God's new covenant people. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10 and let's read what God did with some of these laws in Acts chapter 10. With an old Jewish fellow that never ate unclean food one time in his entire life until we get to Acts chapter 10. You'll notice in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, it says that about noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, the apostle Peter went up on his roof to pray. Spiritual guy. He's going to pray right in the middle of the day. Good for him. He became hungry. Did that ever happen to you when you pray? Confess. How many of you have ever gone to get a sandwich during your prayer time? Because you got numb. Okay, evidently Peter had that happen. He wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. Weird dream. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth. They were unclean. And birds of the air, all these unclean animals. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure, unclean. And all the Jewish people would say, amen. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do you not call anything unclean that God has made clean? This happened three times. When the Lord wants to teach a lesson, watch out, the three times. School teachers know. You've got to tell them over and over again. The Lord's really pounding this lesson in. Three times this happens, and three times The Lord God tells Peter, do not call unclean what I call unclean. What was the Lord doing in the chapter? A lot of you know the background of this story. The Lord was beginning to open the door of redemption to Gentiles. You see, God had predicted in the prophet Isaiah that it would be too small a thing for just Jewish people to be saved. It was always the heart of God to reach out to the entire world. He had to keep a very distinctive Old Testament people until the Messiah came because it was absolutely strategic to do that, to bring the promised son of Judah, son of David, Messiah, into the world. But God's plan was not just for the Jewish people to be saved. God wanted the entire world to be able to hear about the joy of salvation, which is why Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the Jewish people in the world, right? How does that verse go? Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I want every one of you to say that, because that's a hard thing for you to believe. We're very pious about that on Sunday morning. But it's hard for us to believe it Monday through Saturday. We need to be really honest about that. So I want you to say, God, the Lord Jesus told us, go and make disciples of every nation. Red and yellow, black and white. The New Testament is very different in the separation of God's people. 
You see, what the Lord was doing with this Jewish apostle, he says, Peter, this is a new day. The exclusivity of God's people, the specific clothes that they wear, and the food that they eat, and the ceremony that they partake of that keep them so distinctive and so separated from unbelievers, those barriers now need to be torn down. In just a few minutes, as soon as that vision was ended, three Gentiles, some Gentiles from Cornelius' household, arrived at his door. And those Gentiles said to Peter, come and tell us the things of God. As a Jew, Peter, under the Old Testament law that had become, that by the first century had become very stringent, would not have gone to share the good news with these Gentiles. Why? Because they would be polluted. He would be unclean. They would make him want to eat food and and to drink things that he did not want to drink. And so from a Jewish standpoint, he would have said, no, I'm not going to go with you. But the Lord God of heaven said, Peter, we've had some progress in Revelation. And now is the time you can have open fellowship with all of mankind. I'm going to tear down the barriers that keep people apart, that keep people from not wanting to be together. And I want you to go because it's as you go to Cornelius' house, the Gentile Roman centurion, as you go to his house and you be with his children and as you eat his food, that's where you can communicate the good news. And Peter went when they came. You need to understand this. Some of you are still back in the Old Testament. Some of you feel that the distinctiveness of God's people is what you eat and the way that you dress and what you drink. And you feel very uncomfortable. And and we need to be honest about this. It's hard to be out there in an unbelieving world. I had a believer share with me. They went to a wedding celebration. And as they're at this wedding celebration and in another statement, everybody got just soused out of their weenies. They started doing a lot of dumb things. The the bride almost got sick, and the believer was saying it made them feel very sad. Yeah, it will make you feel sad. Because your heart goes out to people that need to have the spirits in order to get the spirit to have a good time. And then they end up getting terrible stomach aches and headaches, and, and vomit destroys every kind of a wedding reception. But you know, as believers, you need to be really careful about your spirit. You need to be there. In this church family, don't cut yourself off from the unbelieving world that's out there. Because you have the only message that can give them life. There's a million and one things that you can eat and that you can drink and that you can enjoy, that you can do with them, that they want to do with you. They want to be, some of your unbelieving friends feel that after you became a child of God, they lost you. Because you start doing all kinds of special things with your newfound family, but you forget about your old relationships. Don't do that. Now, you need to be very careful because it's easy to get sucked into sin. It's easy to get sucked into doing things that are morally wrong. But I want to understand that the food laws of the Old Testament have been abolished so that we can eat freely with all mankind. And that's very important. In our society as well, eating is one of the prime ways of evangelism. In France, the way to get into the culture is by eating. 
Do you know that this area would be revolutionized if we open our homes and have some table fellowship with unbelievers? What I want you to understand is, you know, there, there's all kinds of church philosophies now that we're calling it seekers. And the idea is that you're supposed to invite all your unbelieving friends to come and be with us this morning. And then what we'll do is we'll play them some really nice music that they would enjoy. And then I'll give kind of an introduction to the gospel kind of message that won't make them uncomfortable. And that way we can get a whole lot of them to come. And then slowly but surely we'll work them into the gospel. And that seeking idea is very important. In fact, it's built a very large church. And, and that philosophy of getting involved with unbelievers is really important. But I want to take that philosophy a step farther. I think Sunday morning is a lousy time to try to get unbelievers that went to the Garth Brooks concert and then went out after that and were, didn't get home till 2 o'clock. And when they did get home, they don't even know where they were. I think it's going to be really hard to get them to come here to hear whatever we do. But you know what? These kids right here, college kids, high school kids, the children, and all of you adults are going to go out into hundreds upon hundreds of unbelievers this week. And I believe that you need to be the seeker. And I need to be the seeker. You know what? I want to share something with you. Unbelievers don't have to come to church to find the Lord Jesus. They can find the Lord Jesus in your living room, at a cafe, at a ball game, in just the workplace where you work every day. As you authentically give yourself to them and live close to your Lord and you're unashamed of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to realize there's lots of things we can do, but I want you to realize the most powerful thing you can do is to break down the barriers with unbelievers and eat with them and spend time with them, go fishing with them, and then live Christ before them. Don't leave your Jesus behind. He's there with you anyway, but be with him. There's a marvelous progression from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God was trying to get everybody to relate to the temple, and they all had to come to worship. In the New Testament, the Lord, by the power of his Spirit, put his presence inside of every one of us, and he says, I want you to go out there. I also want to share with you, though, this stress upon clean and unclean food emphasizes the power of eating together. I want you to look as this chapter closes. If you look a little bit further, it talks about something that you wouldn't expect to be a call to celebration. I want you to look at the stress upon tithes and offering as we conclude this chapter. Look at verse 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And then go and sell that tenth of your fields. And be sure to write a check to Kim Lewis from Midlothian Bible Church. Amen? Now, you guys have heard tithing, and by the, by the way, that's not a bad idea, but you guys have been taught tithing that all your life. For some of you, you feel you're really close to God if you give 10%. You ritualistically do it. And you have it pounded in your head from the time you were a little kid, and you want me to preach your funeral and say, well, boy, she's sure to get in. Man, she gave 10% every week. And I've got the record right here. And throw all your checks down the floor. There she is. She's guaranteed to make it. You can really build nice churches with that kind of a philosophy. Man, you can build tabernacles to fit millions. 
But that's not what's going to get you to heaven. God's not going to make you pay one single thing. In fact, if you think you can pay anything to get to heaven, you're not going to get there. Because the bill is too high. You blew it one time. You lied one time. You didn't love God one time with all your heart. You had a deceitful and immoral thought one time. That means you've shattered the law of God and you'll have to pay for it with your blood, not with your money. And that's why the Son of God gave his blood. It's cursing the very gift of God to bring performance into relationship with God. And your tithe won't bring you one iota nearer to God. And another thing that does when you have that philosophy, you begin deep in your heart to feel somehow that you can get God obligated to you or you feel somehow that you have to do this thing for God and if you do so much, then God will perform for you and that's all wrong. In the Old Testament, they gave a tithe. You know why God wanted them to give a tithe? Because God loved his Old Testament people. And God created every single one of the Jewish people just like God created every one of you. And God knows that for you to stay alive, one of the things you need to do is you need to have strong, festive celebrations together with people. Sometimes with a lot of people. And one of the things they did with the tithe, one of the things they did with the tithe according to this chapter is I want you to eat the tithe of your grain, your new wine, the oil, the firstborn of your herds, the flock, and the presence of the Lord your God at the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to reveal the Lord your God always. But if the place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God, the bountiful harvest, too many lambs, tremendous wheat harvest, and you cannot carry your tithe, the tenth of your, of, your, of your produce, because the place where the Lord your God will choose, which came to be Jerusalem in later years, is too far away, then exchange your tithe for silver. That would be the equivalent. Go to the bank and get your traveler's checks or get your visa card Get your funds turned over and then take the money with you and go to the place where the Lord your God will choose. And notice what he says. What do you do with it when you get there? Use the silver to buy whatever you like. The Hebrew is really strong there. You buy what your soul wants to desire. If you husbands want to know what that means, tell your wife this week, go to the mall and you buy whatever you desire. That's what the Lord said. Be careful, it could be dangerous. That's what the Lord said. He said, use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will do what? Everybody, you will rejoice. You know how you tell real relationship with God from false religion with God? False religion with God is always like going to a funeral. Real relationship with God is always like going to a wedding. God called his people to rejoice. Notice what he says. And don't neglect the Levites. Don't neglect those that are responsible for teaching the word of God. Those living in your town, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. So it says, in this big Thanksgiving celebration, don't forget to include the Levites who don't have their own land and are totally dependent upon you and your goodness and your generosity. There's another group of people that you shouldn't forget as you, as you celebrate. At the end of every three years, instead of taking the tithe and, and blowing it like on the usual annual festivals at the three major feasts, 
Bring all the tithe of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own and the aliens, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. You know what the Lord is saying? There's a marvelous balance here. There's a spirit of festive celebration. There's also a spirit of meeting the needs of the poor that are among you. What it's saying is that the Lord wants you to have Thanksgiving meals together. And I want to share something with you. That is important. And you know what? And you know what you're going to do? You're going to, you're going to say in your soul, and you, you say, Dave, how do you know I'm going to do this? Because I feel like this. You see, I have people up to my neck. I listen to their problems all week. I listen, I mean, my life many times is one perpetual series of agonizing, crazy crises. In fact, people make up new crises so that we don't get bored. So the, and, and also, I eat a lot with people. You're a really gracious, gracious family. And so you do, you know, we do a lot of things together. So if I had my druthers, you know what I want to do? I want to get in our den prop up in a chair, be quiet, and just leave me alone. Now, I'm going to translate it into kids' language, okay? What the kids want to do when they go to your house tonight is they go into their bedroom because they've got the TV and the games. They're in the bedroom. And so your home looks like this tonight. You're in there watching your latest TV movie. You've already watched a hundred of them, and only about two of them have really been good. And you've told yourself a million times, I'm really not going to do that, but you do it anyway. Your kids are in their bedroom, and they're playing the video game. Now, there's something that really is very important. I want you to read what Time Magazine said. Johnny Cage kills his victims with a bloody, decapitating uppercut. Raiden favors electrocution. Kano will punch through his opponent's chest, rip out a still-beating heart. Sub-Zero likes to tear his foe's head off and hold it up in victory, spinal cord twitching as it dangles from its neck. Renegade from the late, late movie? No. These are the characters that kids play with in Mortal Kombat. This same magazine has just run cover story after cover story from Omaha to L.A., about a culture where kids are killing kids. And I want to share with you the heartbeat of what's generating that. We live in a culture where you don't connect. You see, when you sit in front of a video game, I want to share with Time Magazine, this is not focus on the family. I want to read what they close with. They close with this. For many parents, the problem is not what their children are doing on their Nintendo systems. but It's what they're not doing. While locked in Mortal Kombat, reading books, playing outdoors, but I want you to get this one, making friends. When the information highway comes to town, because they're talking about how this is just the beginning, you're going to be able to network with people all over the world. You're going to be able to play against people all over this planet with Mortal Kombat or any other game you want. It says when the information highway comes to town bringing with it thousands of new reasons to spend time in front of a video screen. That may be a growing problem, not just for kids, but for all of us. You know the prime reason why church suppers 
will probably not ever bring big crowds because Americans like to watch TV and they like to play video games. And you know why we like to do that? Because you can ice yourself away from people. You don't have to have some, you don't have to prepare a meal and have somebody not eat it. In fact, somebody make a casual comment, that was the worst salad I ever had in my life. And so you can get mad because people don't appreciate what you do, and then you can go back to your TV. You'll never face that if you just stay and watch video games. And you know what? You'll never learn how to forgive people. You'll never learn how to get along in your families and in your extended church family. And you're going to end up about 80 years of age pushing buttons on a video screen. And when I do your funeral, we'll do it all by ourselves, just you and me, because you won't know anybody. That's why the Lord God of heaven was so concerned that his Old Testament people learn how to eat together. And I'm being really strong on this because this is one of the most powerful pulls in my life. So I'm not standing up here jumping down your throat. I am speaking very strongly to myself. One of the most powerful forces against the fellowship and the love of God's people today is the deep feeling inside of our hearts, I want to get away. I don't want to have to rub shoulders with people. I don't want to have to talk with them. I want to be able to just sit in front of a screen where I can control everything. And it's all make-believe. And I want to share something with you from the bottom of my heart. That's going to destroy your life. Because the Lord built you from the Garden of Eden, where God said it is not good for man to be alone. The Lord built you to be together. He meant for your families to be able to eat together and talk. He loves the French custom of bon appetit, where people just converse and just kick back their, their, uh, their chairs from the table, and they just talk to one another, and they share and he loves for church families. So the early church would get together. In fact, they did it almost every single week. It was a work night, no less, because Sunday was a work day for them. They would get together on Sunday night, almost every Sunday night weekly, and they would eat together. They called it an agape feast. You know why? Because the Lord wanted them to be a family. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to pray about some really hard choices. Because some of you have already got, you've gotten in habits. You've gotten kind of in a routine, and your family's gotten in a routine. As I close today, your routine and your family is nobody talks with anybody else. Nobody really connects. Nobody looks at somebody right in the eye and talk. You're all in your different orbits. You come here on Sunday morning, and you sit there in those chairs, and you kind of listen, but there's a radical dichotomy with what's happening in your home. And you pretend like we're all together, but you're really shattered. You're all blowing apart. And you don't ever come and have communion together because deep in your soul, you just feel like, man, something's really wrong here. Deuteronomy 14 is calling you back to a daddy in heaven that says, I want you to come and celebrate. And you do that by the pathway of forgiveness. 
You do that by the pathway of being able to spend time with other people. It's incredible what a lot of people can do together. But you know what happens most when you're together? Just the joy of being together. When all of life is said and done, you know what people talk to me about? You know what kids remember? You know what fellow church family remember? They remember those times. And God loves us so much that he, he made his people under his loving command get together, share their food, and rejoice. So you pray about it. Pray about the style that's happening in your own life. And I guarantee if you open your heart and you share your meals, you are going to get hurt. You're going to have people that don't respond. You're going to have people that you always end up on the short end of the stick. But you, if you commit your life to a life of celebrating Thanksgiving, bon appetit, I guarantee if you open your heart to that love, you're going to find the richness of relationship with God and the richness of relationship together. Thank you.